This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump, and some of us slump. I dare say truer words have never been spoken. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. What's up? I like that clip. We played we played Mulder's clip live, but not mine. So <laughs> it was a little awkward. But uh, thank God Eric is back to run the, the ship <laughs> after several... I guess the last episode he was on technically, but we recorded that months ago. Uh, speaking of sleepaway camp, you know how I was all excited to see Felissa Rose Crypticon yeah. next weekend. She canceled. What? Which means I am not going to Crypticon. <laughs> Why did she cancel? I don't know. Those stars are always quote unquote stars are always pretty, pretty flaky with those cons. Those people always canceling at the last minute. I think it's because they might they find like a better deal in another con the same weekend. Maybe. I think I follow her on Twitter, but like I don't I haven't seen any of her tweets pop up recently. She used to tweet all the time about the different uh conventions she was going mm-hmm. to and stuff like that. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of people's tweets don't show up on my timeline anymore, even though I follow yeah. them. Yeah, so that's a big bummer. So now I can't uh, get a picture with her or her autograph. Maybe next time. Well, isn't, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vernon Wells going to show up dressed in his Mad Max 2 gear? I think so. I think you get a photo op with him. God, that movie is 40 years old and he was like 30 back then. They could do a photo op with Danielle Harris <laughs> for uh, the Halloween movies. I don't, who, who is she in that? She's in like four and five. She's a little oh, girl that, you know, kills like Michael. She's dressed up like you can get her. She's where she wears the, the, the clown suit. Those are ones I haven't seen. Mm. They're not great. <laughs> <laughs> they keep putting those movies out on 4K, but like they did like the first five as individual 4Ks. And then they do it. They have like six, seven and eight as a three pack. Yeah, that was weird. And it's like, can it. you just put all the like after Halloween ends? Can we just have the entire set on 4K? Yeah, at a reasonable price, so I can just buy it, and then I can just watch them all. Yeah. So, I mean, there's other people that like if I was going to Crypticon, I would go and get Bill Johnson's autograph, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Two. Uh, there's a couple others I wouldn't mind getting, but I'm not going to buy tickets just to get them mm-hmm. i was basically buying it just for phyllis rose and then everyone else i was gonna get when i went there but also the prices went up for everything too like the danielle harris one i think if you want an autograph and a picture it's like 80 holy Something shit ridiculous 
And I think if you want that photo op with her in the stupid clown costume, I think it's like a hundred with an autograph or something. Is she in the new Halloweens? Uh, I forget, but she's kind of like a scream queen now. She's she has like a following, I guess. I'd be more interested to ask her about Last Boy Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Also, did you? uh, I don't think you recognized my my new clip, but it's from Encino Man. No, I I still haven't seen Encino Man. Yeah, but that was the guy who says that quote. I send you a clip of him because in Encino Man, he's always going, shush. <laughs> like, uh, shush. you were telling me about whoever, whatever wrestler does Chad, that. Chad Gable, that's his <laughs> Shush. <laughs> uh, shush, please. But he uh, is. Thank uh, you. <laughs> he is Dom DeLuise's son, one of them. <laughs> so he's <laughs> carrying on the uh, family legacy. So he's like the school bully in Encino Man who's bullying Sean Astin. And that clip is like he has him strung up like on a shirt, like on a hook. And he's, I don't know, he's telling him how he's not good enough for this. Because he has a he has a crush on this uh, douche's uh, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And Sean Astin is in his chubby days. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> kind of always was, but. You know, he's skinny and goonies and he's fluctuated up and down, but and he's a bit uh he's a bit frumpy and encino man. So yeah, he's strung up and Deloise says to him, Some of us pump and some of us slump. <laughs> no, I haven't watched that movie in a very long time. But the wife was talking about uh talking about breastfeeding and whatnot, and uh she had to pump. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, oh, you know, I, I got a pump, but I just, I just don't have the energy. And I just, it was, it was like a reflex. And I just turned around. And I go, well, some of us pump and some of us slump. And I just started <laughs> laughing to myself. You know, she has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> she's like, what? And I had to show her the clip. And now she enjoys it too. She wants to see the movie now just because of that clip. And I was like, well, that clip may oversell the movie just a bit. But um, yeah, I was got confused by Encino Man because when I was a kid during WCW, I remember seeing them advertise like uh, I don't know, it was like the network premiere of Encino Man. But like the way they advertised it made it sound like it was like a T. It was like the TNT premiere of Encino Man, mm. and like I thought it was like a TNT made for TV movie for the longest time. Mm. Because uh, the way they advertise it made it sound like, oh, TNT's got a brand new movie out. It's called Encino, man. It's got Brendan Fraser. So would this would this have been around 94 or 95? Probably. Probably 95, 96. Because, you know, Polly Shore is in it. So I think Son-in-Law was 93. So from 93, 94, that was Polly Shore mania, kind of. You know, it fizzled very fast, but uh, you know, he had those string of movies. I think Biodome was 95. So they would have been advertising that, I'm sure. We got the network, television premiere of Encino Man. Brendan Fraser, Polly Shore. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure like, that's what it was. Because they, I, 
I swear there were other like movies that TNT would make like a couple times a year. They'd have a original movie that they would show, but it was just like the oh, Tommy Knockers. <laughs> I don't know about. Didn't I, they I used to remember. do some? Uh, I know they made like Stephen the, King original. Uh, you know, made for TV movies. Possibly, I know they did that um, Christmas Carol with Patrick Stewart. Okay, that was, yeah. that was a big one. Yeah. yeah um but yeah i was like i didn't like i wasn't aware enough that like oh movies come out in theaters and then oh it's a big deal when they get on cable also your story reminds me i rewatched little man for the first time in like 10 years and i thought it was pretty hilarious i don't think i've ever seen little man it's funny it's it's (laughs) not it's like it's it's like those uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons where he's with the uh, the little gangster character. I forget what the gangster's name is, like Muggsy or whatever, you know. And they uh, they dress him up like a baby to <laughs> go into a house where they stashed this. Uh, like in the movie, it's a giant diamond. They stole a giant diamond and they put it in a, in a woman's purse. Mm. And then they find out that she and her husband are thinking about having a kid. So. Marlon Wayans is like this little person. He's a midget. And uh, they they find out, you know, she wants to have a baby. So like, oh, I'll dress you up like a baby and you'll pretend to be a baby and then you'll steal the diamond back. Yeah. And uh, he ends up staying there like a whole weekend. <laughs> and uh, shenanigans ensue. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like all slapstick Looney Tune shit. Like it's not... Like there's not an original joke in the whole movie, but it's it's fucking hilarious at times. Mm-hmm. But uh, after three episodes of me and Stu doing our best to uh, to run the uh, to run the ship, uh, it's good to have Eric back in charge. Keep us in line on our time goals, so we're not going too long. But uh, welcome back, Eric. <laughs> we didn't go too long just the longest episode that we've ever had we were so excited because sleepaway <laughs> camp was the longest episode we ever recorded and then me and Stu just like went on and on and on about repo man <laughs> and beat it <laughs> the funniest part about editing those episodes and listening to them for me was about every five minutes when a new tangent was starting uh Stu would go just real quick <laughs> Yeah, just real quick. <laughs> It'll be ten minutes of wrestling. Just real quick. Real quick. Just quickly. Just real quick. Uh, you should. You should clip that. Yeah, I was going. I plan on it. Yeah, clip that and then use that in in episodes with me and you. We could do it to introduce every time. Like, there's a tangent. I could just slide it in and post. Just real quick. <laughs> We're not going to know what we're uh, what we're talking about it, but you will when you're editing. So yeah, that would be a, a good idea. Yeah, and once I start doing a lot more live clips again, I could do it when somebody's <laughs> droning on and on about something that's, I guess, not the focus of the episode. <laughs> Just real quick, <laughs> there were a lot of those. With that. There were a lot of those, especially in the Repo Man episode. Just quickly. We went on about aliens, conspiracies. I know we talked about the whitest kids you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, thank you again to Mr. Stuart Bulk for uh, getting us through my hiatus. 
Uh, I enjoyed the episodes uh, quite a bit. It was it was, it was uh, more fun to edit it than you guys, I guess, thought. You guys are like, oh, Mulder's just going <laughs> to be hating us. No, it was pretty fun. Well, I, we assume that you have more responsibilities in the home now, but. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I did a lot of editing late night. You also get a lot of free time, too, because you're not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you well, still working at of... the theater? Are you working at the theater during this time, though? I am. Uh, and I'm took on more shifts since, you know, I'm not working at the other place right now. Uh, so I'm working uh, quite a bit of shifts there, and I am now assistant manager. Ooh, are hey you? Or are you the assistant to the manager? <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> Uh, no, I am uh, one of the assistant managers. Like those opportunities have presented themselves before, and I've never tried because I always thought, well, it's going to be a much bigger time commitment. And I'm not going to be able to do that, you know, with my other job. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you can just keep doing what you're doing <laughs> like two, three times a week. No big deal. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> I should have been doing this, uh, should have applied a long time ago. Yeah. Um, along with the modest uh, pay bump, uh, the real uh, icing on the cake is that now I can screen whatever I want, almost whenever I want. Nice. Yeah. I mean, once I get up to speed, you know, there you go. I got to do some training here and in about a month, I'll be able to uh, screen anything I want outside of business hours. Awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's why you get into the business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shouldn't divulge too much information about the theater now that I'm system manager. I don't want people to know which one it is now. <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. I might cut this whole part out. You don't even know. Well, I tell you what, having a private screen is what I had during one of the movies I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> that happens to you once every two months, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's at least three times this year it's happened. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe four or five. Especially now with how slow the box office is and all the shit that's out there, I'm sure it's hard for you to, you know, get your three movies a week for your A list. It was for like the entire summer because it was nothing but blockbusters and nobody would compete with them. Now. There's like three or four movies every week. Like mm-hmm. the week after we're recording this, I was looking ahead and I'm like, cause I was going to go to three movies this weekend. And then I'm like, and, and one of them was one I haven't even seen advertised. So I was going to take a chance on it. It was an hour and 20 minutes and it's, it says it's a comedy, but uh, and then I'm looking ahead next week and it's like, well, shit, there's five movies coming out next week that I actually want to see mm. and a sixth one that I haven't heard of, but looks interesting. So I'm I'm going to go to two this weekend and then next week I'll do Thursday, which is the end of the week. And then I'll do three on probably Friday and Saturday. I'm taking Friday off. I was going to try to squeeze them all in because there's UFC on Saturday and football's back on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But one of them uh, I'm I'm skipping because there's a bunch of movies next week. There's five that I've actually seen advertised that I want to see. And a sixth one that I haven't seen advertised, but looks interesting. Mm. But I can only go see 
I'll go Thursday, which is the end of the week, which is the last one that I can do for the week. And then I'll do three Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday. And then I got to hope that the other ones carry over to the next week and that there aren't another like three movies on top of that coming out the following week I want to see. But it's like over the summer, it was it was really tough to get, you know, three movies to go see every weekend because it was like Jurassic Park and then Lightyear and then Top Gun and then uh, uh, what was the other was some Marvel shit uh, Thor uh, it was like a big blockbuster every weekend and no competition and there would be some weekends where they weren't any new movies they would just be like oh we're gonna run the blockbusters for a couple weeks and nobody's gonna compete with them so now in September like the the end of August and September, it's just like, it's like that picture of, uh, you know, from South Park when Randy gets to use the internet for the first time in like two days. <laughs> it's like it's like the grapes of wrath, but yeah. with the internet. <laughs> it's like that's how the movie releases are the last month. Mm-hmm. They're all building up, and now they're coming out. It's ramping up for horror season. The horror extravaganza is upon us, and there's several horror films coming out uh, in the next month. We got Halloween Ends. Uh, what was the other one I was thinking of, or I saw the other day? Well, Barbarian comes out next. Yeah, week. Barbarian's coming out. I just heard no, about it. Comes it. out this week. Comes out this week, mm. actually. I just heard about that yesterday, and I heard that it was supposed to be good, but I don't know. <laughs> the trailer for it starts exactly the same way as the trailer for that uh, Winona Ryder movie that came out like two months ago, mm. where it's a woman at a like an Airbnb and somebody else is in the house, and there's like a oh we're both renting the same house isn't this weird, you know? And the guy invites her to stay in for the night. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same setup as. Uh, uh, I think it was called Gone in the Night. I believe I, I reviewed that one with Stu. But uh, it gets a lot, uh, the trailer gets a lot weirder for Barbarian. But I've heard good things. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah, I think there's even something else. You know, usually there's always four or five, at least, uh, horror films that come out every October. Smile is coming out. Are you excited mm-hmm. for Smile? I haven't uh, heard much about it. I was more excited before they did the full trailer where they actually show what it's about. I also keep on seeing press stuff and I guess I haven't really seen TV spots, but I'm sure they're out there for Pearl. Yeah, I've seen that trailer once or twice in the theater. Um, I didn't see it at the end of Axe because I didn't... Allegedly, they played it after the credits of Axe. Yeah, I I was so confused when I heard about it. I was like, wait, what? They made a prequel? Yeah, to this movie. What for this character? They said they shot it at the same time. Mm. So they must have like over. They gave too much for the X budget, and they just shot two movies with it. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I, I don't know what they're going for in the trailer because it looks like it's a parody or a comedy, but also like they're taking it seriously. And X was not good. So yeah. It's so forgettable to me that I was even wondering, like, well, why is her character interesting again? Like, she was like the final girl, right? But she had like a, a troubled or a mysterious past. 
That's where we're supposed to be. Um, no, no. Clamored for that actress played the old lady, and Pearl is the old lady's origin story. Oh, okay, so what? You mean the house with the old man and the old lady? Yes. Okay, so the old lady's Pearl. So the old lady that was like fingering herself and walking around <laughs> tits out, and uh, I guess spoiler alert: she was the killer in X. They're doing an origin story for her, but it's the same actress who played the young star in mm-hmm. X. Okay. I thought maybe the it was this was like you know Mia Goth's uh origin story basically. <laughs> it kind of is. It's just the 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 other character that she played. It's the yeah. uh the one that you didn't recognize her in. All right, well. Enough about that nonsense. I guess we can talk about uh, what's coming up for us. I believe our next episode is going to be on Don't Breathe. Yes. A, a more recent horror film. Not the disgusting remake, which or not remake, the disgusting sequel that I felt the need to shower after. Oh, because the first Same. one wasn't gross at all with the turkey baster? Well, the first one... Well, everybody involved was pretty bad in the first one. You hit the... <laughs> You did have a single mother who was a victim of abuse and uh, looking to get out. So you had a sympathetic figure there. Mm -hmm. The second one, you had to choose between the rapist child kidnapper or drug selling child organ harvesters. Those were your choices as to who to root for. (laughs) And I didn't feel comfortable rooting for either one. Just felt dirty. They basically wanted to make you feel like uh, the uh, the blind man was the good guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, not after that first movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never had interest in the second one. I did like the first one. And I haven't seen it since the theater, although I have the Blu-ray. So I'm excited to watch that again. We'll do an episode on that. Now, we're still tentatively planning to do Friday the 13th with Stu. Uh, no concrete timeline on when that'll be out. Not until at least October sometime. Um, so we may do something else towards the end of September. We're kicking around a few ideas, maybe some horror spoofs, like student bodies, which we've mentioned before on the podcast. What was the other one we were talking about? Uh, Tucker and Dale versus oh, Evil. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched that. Which is, uh, it's, uh, it seems more recent, but it's from like 2009. Yeah. But yeah, I, I bought those on Blu-ray probably within the last year. I haven't thrown student bodies in just in case we do it for the show, but Tucker and Dale on a rewatch held up really well. So, okay. um, and we, we used to talk about student bodies all the time because we both watched it maybe three or four years ago for the first time. And, it's so spot on with its spoof of early 80s slasher movies. Yeah, didn't uh, you challenge me to watch it for one episode? Maybe. I don't know if we were doing the challenge back then or not. I might have just told you to watch it. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't. It's one of those movies where it was on. Uh, it was available on demand for free. And then it just went away and never came back. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we both completed the movie challenge by watching Marjo, uh, Stuart Bulk from the Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast. He challenged us to watch that documentary from 72, which also won the uh, Oscar, I believe, for best documentary that year. Yeah, um, I saw that somewhere. I was, uh, I thought that was interesting because I didn't know that going in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess we should just get into it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? I'll go first. Keeping with the horror theme, I watched the 1981 cult classic Road Games, Aussie tax shelter film, <laughs> directed by Richard Franklin, who you would remember from Psycho 2. He directed Psycho 2. Did you say Richard Franklin? Yeah. He also lost his uh, UFC middleweight title to Anderson Silva. <laughs> and then knocked out Chuck Liddell with a broken arm. <laughs> also directed Cloak and Dagger in 84. You've seen that, haven't you? No. No. And FX2. You know, I always see those FX movies in like a double pack. I've heard like rumblings from like one or two people have been like, oh, those are fun movies. But like they're they were like never on TV when I was growing up. And it seemed like such an odd pairing. Like Brian Dennehy and that Brian Brown. The, the only thing I know Brian Brown from is cocktail. I was like, so these two are lead in action franchise, basically. But you know, it's a special one of them is a special effects guy for the movies. So yeah, maybe that's why it's can be a lot of fun, I guess. I haven't seen either of them, but yeah, I those used to come up uh, within the last few years. They used to come up all the time on different channels on TV, but mm. like, they don't look interesting. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it doesn't look like a, like, it doesn't look like a movie movie. Like looking at the description, it looks like a TV movie is what it looks like. like. I don't at know. At least going by the, uh, the cover, the cover art. I want to say Mark from movie drone talked about one of those movies, not, maybe within a year or so within the last year or so. And uh, I want to say he liked it quite a bit, but, uh, or it was like one of those ones where he watched it a lot growing up. So like he has fond memories of it. I think it was him. And I think it was mm -hmm. that movie. It might've been something else. Okay. Well, road game stars two Americans, Stacy Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis. Cause that was the, I guess the cutoff or the, the rule. He had to have two Americans in there. No more than two. Stacy Keach from uh, from Titus, yes, from Titus, from Brewster McCloud. <laughs> American History X. He was the old man in the wheelchair. He was a super racist. <laughs> uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Marion Edward, Grant Page, Steve Millichimp, Alan Hopgood, and John Murphy as Benny Balls. <laughs> <laughs> from the bra <laughs> yeah. Benny no that's benny blanco that's yeah. benny blanco it does sound like a john leguizamo character <laughs> uh plot for road games a laid-back american truck driver in south australia starts to suspect a man driving a green van of killing young women along his route and proceeds to play a cat mouse game in order to catch him red-handed so this was very Hitchcockian. It's very Brian De Palma-esque, if you will. 
is this is 81. So this is uh, right in De Palma's Hitchcock heyday. But this one there, there's a serial killer who's picking up hitchhikers, basically, or um, picking up women and bringing them to a hotel, and he strangles them. Mm. And frenzy. <laughs> yeah, frenzy. Cece <laughs> <laughs> Keach is a truck driver, and he sees some suspicious activity early one morning that kind of, I guess, throws uh, throws up some red flags for him. And he starts kind of getting obsessed almost with this guy driving this green van. He starts to follow him and his movements and his tries to, I guess, figure out like the what motive does he have? It's a bit of mistaken identity too, because a lot of people think that Stacy Keach is the killer. So he's trying to <laughs> exonerate himself at the same time as well. You know, a little north by northwest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun. It's very it's it's kind of a slow burn. There isn't a lot of gore at all. It's rated PG, but it's an eighty one PG. This is definitely one or two shots. It would not be in a PG movie today, right? Stacy Keach was great in here. He plays out. He has a, a dog that rides with him in his in his cab in his truck. And uh, he, so it's a lot of back and forth between him and the dog. <laughs> He's basically <laughs> speaking to himself. But um, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is is in here. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> She's fine. I think they could have easily gotten someone else to do it. Yeah, I guess they wanted, you know, that, that Jamie Lee name, that Curtis name. And uh, but yeah, this is a very good film. And I will give it. And eventually, almost as soonish, but I'll keep it eventually for now. I think you may benefit from future viewings. Eventually. All right. I thought the writing was superb. And a lot of the tension building was great. Nice. All right. What have you seen recently? I've seen from 2022, 3,000 Years of Longing. Directed by George Miller. We know from Mad Max. Indeed. It stars Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Not a movie star. Uh, synopsis, a lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discovers a jinn. That's D-G-I-N-N. Who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. I will say this movie could have been really good but it's not it's it's pretty bad i'd say i don't know maybe half of the movie takes place in a hotel room and it's idris elba and tilda swinton wearing robes talking with no background music no musical score whatsoever during their conversation very slow and deliberate dialogue and it's really not very interesting is like they're talking about wishes and like and she's into stories and uh, her, her uh her uh profession is uh basically breaking down stories and learning their history and, and things like that so 
she's uh you know he wants her to make wishes and she's like no because every story about wishes is a cautionary tale and i have everything i want already and he starts telling her stories about uh his lost loves through the years as he's coming in and out of this bottle and uh, the flashbacks look really good like they're really well shot and then they're very colorful and vibrant and but they're you know mostly in slow motion with idris elba narrating <laughs> so it was like okay this is really good uh looking and you know I'd, I'd love to enjoy more of this type of thing in your movie but in the overall story the overall uh picture it's uh it's not enough to save it um and then there's some other stuff, you know, that happens later that is equally as boring. They get out of the fantasy stuff and start going back to the real world. And it's just, uh, it never, it never really saves itself. Um, you know, maybe a little more clever editing, maybe a different cast, maybe some uh, underlying music uh, could have helped um but i i think you know they they could have made a few more a few tweaks and made this a a really good picture really good movie but you know for whatever reason the the choices they make just did not work whatsoever for me um and and it's kind of disappointing because i could see what they were going for and they just failed so um i'm gonna say last last resort Okay. Oh, I forgot. I was going to tell the story. This movie was playing on the Dolby screen. So there's two AMCs that have Dolby screens in our area. And one of them I usually go to is kind of on the west side of town. And that one was replaying Elvis and Top Gun on the Dolby. And the other one is kind of north of the Twin Cities, which I think technically it's closer, but it's a, a shittier drive because I got to drive through downtown to get there. That one was playing 3,000 years long. So I drove up there. It's the first weekend of the Minnesota State Fair. Mm. And this theater is like right, <laughs> right close. You like, you basically have to go through all the state fair traffic to get there. And uh, I drive up there. I get there about 15 minutes early, go sit down in the theater. Silence. There's picture, but there's no audio. (laughs) Virtually everybody that comes in after me goes out to complain about no audio. And they they all come in and they all come back and say, oh, they're, they're working on it. So we sit through, you know, I sit through 15 minutes of silent ads. uh, Like 20 minutes of silent trailers. Uh, listening to old ladies talk and catch up really loud. And uh, the, the movie has a uh, introduction from George Miller and that comes on and it's silent too. Finally, one of the managers comes in and says, we can't fix the audio. We're canceling the show. <laughs> Come stand in line to get your refunds. And so I, uh, nice. <laughs> I drove 
took me like 30 minutes to drive up there. I sat in the theater for like 45 minutes, stood in line for like 10 minutes just to get my A-list ticket back. Hmm. And then uh, I had to go drive home and then I had to go see the 3000 years lying on a shitty screen at the theater that's close to my house that doesn't have any special screens <laughs> and uh and the movie sucked on top of it so <laughs> it was nice it was a uh, much to do about nothing and uh it was a big waste of time and i was i was very upset um but they they blamed it on a, a uh, power they said there was a power outage the night before and they thought that fried their audio but only in the dolby theater all the other screens were fine. Mm. So, yeah. So it was, a, it was a fun set of events surrounding my trip to see 3,000 years of longing. Mm. Felt like 3,000 years of waiting to get this fucking movie over with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a, it's a last resort. It's uh <laughs> Like I said, there there's something good in there. It's just I don't know. It it's pretty boring. Okay, that's a last resort. So uh, the next movie I'm going to talk about from 2022. It's a streaming on Netflix. It's a documentary called "Running with the Devil: The Wild World of John McAfee." It's directed by Charlie Russell, and the stars. <laughs> Uh, these are some reporters and journalists, uh, camera operators, Dean Barrow, Rocco Castro. Like there's a bunch of random, you know, like Greg Gutfeld, Larry King. You know, there's a lot of news footage, mm-hmm. but of course, uh, John McAfee is featured prominently in here. Synopsis. Is it McAfee or McAfee? Yeah, I always forget. <laughs> Uh, what did I, didn't I say uh, McAfee earlier? Then I just said McAfee. I, I think you, I think you said McAfee twice. Okay, but I think of Pat McAfee. He says it, pronounces it McAfee, and I think it's spelled the same way. I feel like that's the more common. But I don't know. You watch the documentary, don't they say it in the documentary? Yeah, I think they actually do say McAfee in there. Okay, maybe even but, he says it, but I just. Before watching the documentary, I was in my head. I was always like, you know, because he did the McAfee antivirus. And I remember growing up, I always read it as McAfee yeah, or, or McAfee, you know, <laughs> this is McAfee <laughs> antivirus software. And then I pushed up my glasses. But yeah, it's McAfee. I think he does say it himself. It was like an introduction, one of the interviews. Yeah, I think that's the most, the more common way, but I could see like if you hadn't heard it, like you'd be because it's M C A F E, right? So yeah, and the A is capitalized. You're like McAfee. Yeah, <laughs> McAfee. It's like put an A in the the first part, and then it yeah won't be confusing. Uh, synopsis: Life and death of software pioneer John McAfee, who developed the software mcafee antivirus so i've known a bit about his story for a long time a bit of a hero of mine i guess <laughs> somewhat kind of a you know a cult hero he's i don't know he's the stuff of legend i guess they've been trying to do 
uh, a movie, a, a live action movie film about his life. Remember, Michael Keaton was attached for a long time, and but now he's too old. Uh, you can't play a young or younger <laughs> McAfee uh, unless you're doing shitty Irishman de-aging technology. Just real quick. I saw a movie with Michael Keaton in it last year, and he had a sex scene in it. Dude's like 73. Was it Spotlight? No, it was the, pro- <laughs> the protege. Mm. It was him and um, I can't. What's the the name of the lady who was the lead in that? She was in the Fantasy Island movie that came out yeah, two years ago. She's like late forties, but uh, she had the hots for him. It's like that seventy-two year old. Oh my god, he's so hot. <laughs> it's like Sleepaway Camp with Mel and Meg. I just think like because Top Gun was like that too. Top Gun Maverick, like you had two, uh, you know, people in their fifties having a sex scene in a blockbuster movie. Like I can't imagine like movies back in the day having two people that old having a sex scene on screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they never used to look that weird. good. <laughs> it was weird, man. Like once you hit thirty, like your sex scene days were done. I believe that sex scene in Halloween three season of the witch uh, with Tom Atkins, I believe he's 42 in there and that is uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Of course uh, he looks older in that movie. Than that's the thing. Tom Cruise. <laughs> he looks Tom so old. Maverick. He's only 42. <laughs> uh, the protege was, it was uh, Maggie Q. Okay. Maggie Q and Michael Heaton had a sex scene together. She is currently 43 years old Hmm. uh, back to the documentary this is kind of told from the perspective of a couple of guys who were with him physically with him when he was on the run initially uh, when he was wanted for questioning in the murder of his neighbor in belize when he's living there you're telling me that a rich white man can't get away with murder in belize (laughs) come on the victim was another rich white guy. So it's kind of like, who gives a fuck? Oh, <laughs> that's why the family can afford to chase him now. <laughs> None of our business. So he has to kind of sneak out of Belize into, I believe, Guatemala. So you kind of follow him along as he's literally on the run. Um, they kind of in a, intersplice it with more recent interviews, older clips. They delve into his background a little bit, but not enough i guess for my liking uh they kind of focused on the thing with belize and then a little more recently uh as he quote unquote committed suicide uh, about a year ago in the cell did they acknowledge that uh, it was revealed like two weeks ago that he's still alive <laughs> what <laughs> i swear there was stories in the news a couple weeks ago that said that he might be alive still <laughs> Okay, so this is a spoiler, but it's it's a documentary, and it's uh, there's a reason I'm going to spoil it. Is because okay, so when he's running from Belize, he has a girlfriend at the time, not his his uh, wife that he met several years ago that he's he was married to up until his death. Her name's Janice, not her. There's another woman uh, from Belize who he was dating at the time, who's with, and they're interviewing her. 
for the documentary as well. And as like a little update, you know, they're asking her about his death. And she says that she got a call two weeks after his death from him saying that he wanted to run away with her. And it kind of ends on that, like a ooh, cliffhanger <laughs> might still be alive. But uh, the article I read was about her being really pissed off at the filmmakers for taking her out of context because she basically the next sentence she said was, yeah, there's no way that was John. <laughs> <laughs> like she does not believe that was John McAfee at all. And so it's basically a bullshit gotcha cliffhanger twist, whatever you want to call it. Gimmick. It's very gimmicky. And plus uh, if you see her in the, in the documentary, you could tell he's not going to run away with her. <laughs> he's going to stay with Janice. <laughs> uh, the newer footage that they have over the past five, six years, mostly on his boat when he's just <laughs> running around international waters, going from port to port, you know, armed to the teeth with automatic weapons and mm. rifles and him and his wife and some other crew members on his yacht. His yacht he actually bought from uh, Jordan Belfort, <laughs> which is pretty funny. <laughs> he's like he says yeah i bought this yacht from that wolf of wall street guy (laughs) if you can believe that by the way the the news stories about him being still alive do uh say that those claims were made in the documentary okay yeah so that's why it came out because it was in the documentary see that's why i'm spoiling it because it's bullshit (laughs) and one of the reasons why i didn't give this movie a higher grade because there is some fascinating footage in here. Some of it just loved. It was a lot of fun (laughs) being with him on the run. He is a very interesting guy. Uh, They go into a little bit into his uh, foray into uh, trying to run for the libertarian uh, party nomination for president 2016, which uh, Gary Johnson eventually won. So there's a lot of fun behind the scene footage. uh, Some things I learned about him in regards to if he murdered his neighbor or not, and also his father committed suicide, or did he? <laughs> so um, that was pretty interesting. Uh, I'll rate this. I will give it an eventually. Eventually. Yeah, it could have been a soonish with all the, all the footage that they had um, and some of the revelations. It was great, but there was there was a lot of gimmicky shit, and there was a lot of things that didn't go in depth enough for my liking. Um, I thought they did give him kind of a fair, fair shake, a fair view. They didn't paint him as some ultra right wing libertarian nut job. Mm-hmm. Like they gave him, it was more of an, uh, I guess an honest, an honest take. It wasn't, they weren't condemning him the whole time, which was a little refreshing. I thought that's <laughs> kind of what it was going to be like, Here's a documentary about this sadistic fuck named John McAfee. Right. Murdered his neighbor. He's on the run. And he's a, it's all about guns and call the guns he has. Why do you need so many guns? He's a right winger. It's like, well, he's not a right winger. He's a libertarian. So you got to be a little, you got to be a little crazy to be on the run for, you know, wanted for murder and be like, yeah, come along film crew, film all this. Yeah. Maybe yeah, a, a bit of an ego. I remember him. Uh, doing interviews on podcasts I listened to like over the past <laughs> five, six years. He would just go on and he'd be drinking and <laughs> yeah, just bullshitting about 
you know, fuck all. He always talked about how he had basically information on everybody in the world. Oh, I'm sure. He always claimed that he had access to any computer and he could hack the, the White House computer if he wanted to. And I think he alleged that he did. He had information from, I guess, everybody in our government. Yeah, I remember too, uh, I think it was his wife or something. Like months ago, I remember hearing, like she basically said that he would never commit suicide. Yep. And uh, he did. He even had a tattoo. You kind of mentioned it. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it too, that uh, if if anybody says I committed suicide, um, you know, I was murdered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's i i don't believe for a second that he committed suicide it's like the epstein thing like yeah. yeah we know what happened and in fact i would believe epstein hung himself before i would believe mcafee hung himself yeah it doesn't uh he doesn't seem like the type of guy to to go out that way mm-hmm. all right well uh what else did you watch we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the movie challenge film right after this so Yes, and this one is a 2022 movie, and it kind of unintentionally ties in with our movie challenge because it's called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. That's Honk for Jesus, period, Save Your Soul, period. (laughs) It's uh, directed by Adamo Ebo, and it stars Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. This is a mockumentary, and the synopsis is, In the aftermath of a huge scandal, Trinity Childs, the first lady of a prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help her her pastor husband, Lee Curtis Childs, rebuild their congregation. They don't really go into the, uh, the scandal that much, but it's implied that he had sexual relations with uh teenage boys that's uh, yeah. uh, like 18 to 20 year old boys and then paid them off is is the scandal um or he settled out of court you know mm. they sued him and he settled out of court and uh this is supposed to be a comedy and i will say i laughed once or twice and then the premise ran real thin real quick and it went on for another hour and 35 minutes (laughs) it's it's oh my god it's like the same stuff over and over again it's just them being like super fake religious like evangelist types you know like uh, mega church pastor and his wife and you know, everybody, they're fake and it's all, you know, basically just doing it for the money, as we'll kind of find out in uh, in our <laughs> movie challenge movie when we're talking about that. And uh, the congregation, they have five people who are, you know, steadfastly coming to their church still, but they used to have a congregation of 25,000. There's another church that's opened up in their absence that's kind of siphoning off their old uh, congregation. And, uh, oh, boy, does it get boring. Oh, my God. And I was the only one in the theater for this. And my brother had seen it before me, and he warned me. It's one of the worst movies of the year. He thinks it's the worst movie of the year. I said, it can't be that bad. 
Uh, and then I went and saw it and I said, it's like bottom three. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's down there with uh, Crimes of the Future, which I thought was just horribly just boring. And they slashed them, which was just an awful movie. <laughs> Um, so honk for Jesus, save your soul, save yourself and do not watch it because this is the rare WTM. Never, never. It's that bad. Do not watch it. All right. I guess we also didn't talk about who's going to challenge you for the next one. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Up to you. Because we're kind of we're kind of on even footing now, so we can start fresh. Okay. Um, there was something I was going to challenge you to as well, but I can't remember it right now. Maybe we'll think of it in a few minutes. But let's. Uh, I think we can combine the the usual end of the show discussion with spoilers into our review here, since this is a documentary from '72. Yes, that's on Tubi. So, uh, Stu. Challenge us to watch Marjo. Who is a man. I didn't, uh, I thought Marjo was a feminine name, but it's uh Yeah, the combination Mary and Joseph. Yes. The name. I was wondering, I was like, Marjo, why, where did Marjo <laughs> come from? And then Mary and Joseph, oh, Eureka. I thought it was short for like Marjorie or something. <laughs> it was directed by Sarah Kernikan and Howard Smith. Stars Agnes Benjamin, Marjo Gertner. Gertner, I mean, I, I don't even know how to say it. I heard him say it, heard them say it on the documentary about 20 times. But I'm like, what are they saying? Gertner, Gettner, Gettner. Yeah, I don't know. It's spelled like Gortner, G O R T N E R. Vernon Gortner, Sarah Kernikan. There's other people in there too, like crew that are in it. But yes, the sound guy. <laughs> yeah. Don't be smoking cigarettes. Uh, the synopsis, this Oscar winning documentary explores the life of one time child evangelist and faith healer, Marjo Gertner, the son of professional evangelists. Gertner was preaching on the Southern tent revival circuit by the age of three. So uh, there's a lot of footage of him as young as three and a half, uh, which is pretty fascinating. So this was from the fifties. I would get no way. Actually, no way. He was born I think, yeah, in 44. Was... So this would have been late forties. Some of yes. this footage. There's other stuff where he's around eight years of age. So that would have been fifties, but um, yeah, there's some late forties stuff in here. Fascinating to see. I had never heard of Marjo before. Have you? No, no. I, I think Stu mentioned it on the, the repo man episode we recorded uh, just kind of in passing. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I wasn't familiar with him it looks like after this documentary he actually did get into acting because he was in quite a few things for the last or for the next several decades okay anything big anything um, note? earthquake the movie mm-hmm. earthquake uh in the 70s from 1974 one of those yeah. many disaster films of the disaster 70s. films uh star crash he was in I'm not familiar with that, but that's like the the top one on IMDb. Hmm. But he was in uh, the TV series Falcon Crest. 
TJ Hooker, he did a few episodes. He was on a couple episodes of the A Team, Fantasy Island. He did a couple. Mm. He was on Laughing a couple times. I don't really recognize a lot of the movies he did, but I, I mean, he was on some pretty big TV shows um, and guest roles. So uh, he had a pretty decent career. I mean, he started in 73 as his earliest acting credit. And, mm-hmm. He went till 95 was his last one. So, I mean, that's well, a 20 people year People watch the documentary, they would know he was acting at least since the late 60s, early 70s. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it kind of delves into his personal life of growing up in an evangelist family. Obviously, he grew up, a, you know, a stern believer in the Lord. And then when he's older and preaching in the uh, documentary, not so much. He was the world's youngest preacher. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, he kind of learned to resent his parents for it. And then he's like, oh, I need money and this is the way to do it. So mm-hmm. went back into it. Yeah, he didn't really believe in what he was preaching about. At one point he was talking about how if he had to pick a denomination or a, or a religion, you know, he would pick Pentecostal because he liked the music. Yes. Got good music. Uh, but, you know, as if I had to. Thank God I don't, but if I had to, if I had right. to pick one. So, yeah, he's not a big believer anymore. Uh, yeah, do, treating this this evangelism as purely a job. Got to ask, uh, you grew up in a pretty religious family, Brett. What denomination uh, did you practice? We were Catholic. Okay. So we didn't do any of this shit. Okay. I, was, uh, I grew up in a Reformed church which is, I guess, very similar to Methodist. But there was, you know, the, the preachers, you know, we don't have priests, we have pastors. So that's similar to what's going on here. There was, like, the sermons were a bit animated sometimes. Uh, not as much as this, not near as much as this. Yeah. In my church, the, the pastors, they never spoke in tongues, ever. That's not something I, I don't know if it's my church just doesn't believe in it or just, Nobody ever does it or what, but that's like a Pentecostal thing um, from what I gather is the, the speaking in tongues. I don't know if any other denominations do it. Well, it's like evangelical is like, I think the broad. Mm-hmm. Cause that's uh, like most of the TV preachers and the uh, like the mega churches, I think are mostly evangelical. Yeah. Cause I, I went to, uh, there was some sort of like youth thing going on at a friend's church. And me and a bunch of our friends, we went to it. They had different activities going on and it was like a lock-in type thing at the church. And there was a service, I think. I don't know if it was like a Saturday night and a Sunday, but there was some mass that we went to and they were doing what I saw a lot on this documentary, a lot of speaking in tongues and a lot of, putting their hands on people's heads and they're fainting or falling over, you know, that stuff never happened in my church. Um, and I've been to plenty of Catholic masses and I, I can, uh, I'm sure you're shaking your head too. That that never happened in any of yours. No, no, that's not a, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I remember like when I saw it, you know, when I was a kid, I think around freshman, sophomore high school, that sort of range, 
we were looking we we're like what's going on up there and he's like oh there's he's speaking in tongues i'm like mm, what's that <laughs> and like they explained it. <laughs> they're doing their testimony uh hallelujah if if you you cannot play drinking games with this movie with hallelujah or jesus you would just <laughs> you'd pass out after 10 minutes thank you jesus uh, it gets, it gets so annoying because he says it over and over and over again. I tell you what this reminded me of, like when they exposed pro wrestling, because <laughs> he's like, there's a scene where he's literally talking about like, if you want to get booked again, you gotta have a gimmick. Like, yeah, uh, I forget what he said his gimmick was specifically, but. Uh, it's like some people have their prophet, their prophecy gimmicks, or you know, they they prophesize, or they do this, or they do that, and uh, you gotta have a gimmick to you know hook them in, mm-hmm. and and be invited back. Otherwise, they're gonna you know they're gonna figure out that you're a fraud, you know, basically. Um, but I I thought like it's it's felt really carny, like the old school wrestling stuff. Yeah. Like you could tell there's a lot of similarities there mm-hmm. where like they're they're just hoodwinking the audience uh to get their money. Whereas today pro wrestling is more open and honest about that aspect and they run more as an entertainment business. You still see preachers out there preaching like this uh, on TV, and you know, I'm sure that you know throughout the south and um yeah, like it's still going on years later. Uh, even though this guy exposed it, won an Oscar for it. Like mm-hmm. not him personally, but the movie uh, makers did. Yeah, and um, yeah, they had all those scandals in the eighties, like Jim Baker and uh, all those other guys who got outed for being frauds, and people still go out there like, oh, Joel Osteen and that other guy who sells the he had the prayer cloth, prayer mm-hmm. cloths in this yeah. movie too. You they mentioned it so what, many the Repo Man episode, the prayer cloth that yes. they're still selling on uh, TV, TV one. But um, I, I was yeah. I was laughing so hard uh, watching Marjo when that they do the prayer cloth. It's just a bandana, and they're ripping them in half. Like yes, there's so don't... much demand. They're ripping them in half. <laughs> you can't even buy a full prayer cloth. <laughs> Take out the biggest bill in your wallet and give it to Jesus. And then uh, him and uh, the guy are backstage counting the cash and yeah. putting it in their pockets. Like, you mm-hmm. don't go to Jesus. Like, the one guy's talking about, like, I got a Cadillac. I didn't have any money. And then I started preaching, and now I got a Cadillac. Marjo isn't, uh, isn't a straight shooter. You know, he's swindling these people out of money. However, I will say that you know it really doesn't seem like he got rich off of it at all because he talks about how he's been trying to get out of it for two years every time i do i i need some money so i get back into it so it seems like he's i mean he's treating it like a job he's not you know he's definitely a, a false prophet for these for these people however it seems like a lot of the people you know they <laughs> they got their money's worth yeah. they feel like you know they they were touched by the lord or they feel closer to god so I guess in that way, you know, he's not a complete piece of shit. It's just, I don't know. You know, if I compare him to someone like Joel Osteen, it's like, 
have you seen his house yes it's like marjo you know he's doing this but he's i don't know it and maybe it was because uh you know it wasn't perfected yet uh all the money that they can make because they couldn't they didn't have the infomercials maybe although they did talk about he was talking about some guy who was it an infomercial or something or maybe no, it was a radio show yeah that they were kind of doing ads for yeah he had a radio program he said that if you have a if you have a cookie jar with ten dollars stored away go and get it and give it to the lord you know and he was talking about Nail how it's to me yeah <laughs> you know how many listeners their radio station had and there would be thousands of listeners and if even just a couple hundred you know at least there would be like at least uh, two thousand old ladies with a cookie jar with money in it yeah and if just a couple hundred of them gave that ten dollars well it's two grand right there exactly <laughs> well they was talking about other people had their their magazines like they had a mailing list um he, he called it a magazine but then he's like but it's really just like one page yeah just and, mailers uh, they basically it's like they got a million person mailing list and they they give them the, the magazine for free but then like how many of those people send money back just on a donation basis um and then he was having lunch with that one guy who was like i bought like 80 was 80 or 800 acres of land in brazil yeah i was getting uh jim jones vibes he's <laughs> buying all this land in south america what, what's this you know, he's going to develop it for the Lord, you know? Well, he's like, we're developing it. Uh, and then uh, basically it's just, you know, cash crops or whatever. And uh, some other company was trying to buy it from them so they could develop it. But like, it was just like investment, you know, to, to get richer. Yeah. But, you know, I think Marjo, like, it didn't seem like he went out it wasn't like he went out every weekend i don't think it seemed like he he took time between his meetings Mm -hmm. and so and he wasn't like doing anything else for money so like that's why you had to keep going back to it because like he'd run out of money and that's the only thing he knew how to do but like even in the documentary he's like once this comes out i can't do this anymore because they won't let me yeah so i'm exposing myself as a fraud Mm -hmm. This is it. He's like, I want to get out, but I'm not going to have a choice. I kind of agreed with him where he talked about how he's like, well, I, I don't think I'm evil, but I think I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen far worse. Yes. Especially with the Bakers in the 80s and some of the other, or Jimmy Swaggart, some of the other evangelists that got you know, exposed in the 80s and early 90s. And it made me wonder, when did these 10 revivals kind of stop or did they, I mean, the last thing I can remember with like a 10 revival, uh, I remember season one of Ch- uh, true detective they talked to that preacher a couple of times and he's traveling around in a, a tent revival in the South. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, it's a fictional show. It's not a documentary, right. but the, the timeline of that story was in the nineties. Now I'm guessing that's probably about when it stopped. Like I can't imagine there being 10 revivals traveling around the south or you know the bible belt if you will you think that still happens yeah i don't know i don't know if it does or not it seems like they can get their evangelism from you know the tv now 
either TV or, you know, going to town. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine it happens now, but you, you know, this is, this documentary came out in 72 and it was still going for decades after this. Yes. I have that Neil Diamond song in my head now. Was it Brother Loves Traveling Salvation Show? Hmm. Of course, Brother Love was in uh, the WWF. He was, a par- <laughs> he was a parody of uh, basically, it was a Jimmy Swagger. He's the guy with the red face. Yeah, I can't remember. But uh, I mean, he, I'm sure you've seen the picture a thousand times of the guy just like preaching with the with the red face but they painted brother Love's face red all so it was just red all the time <laughs> all right anything else you want to talk about the documentary it was uh it was pretty it was pretty interesting like i said I, i've seen worse uh frauds but um doesn't make him right yeah there's a there's a lot of footage of him preaching mm-hmm. uh, i'll say that i i don't think there was a problem with showing him that preaching that much but I think the behind the scenes stuff would have been a little more interesting or yeah. was a little more interesting. I mean, I was but... expecting a bunch of behind the scenes footage of him saying, God, all these people are such fucking idiots, you know, like, yeah. like really tearing apart the people he's swindling, but he didn't really, he does kind of mock them slightly a couple of times, maybe with the dog when he's like pretending to, you know, yes. heal the dog. And, you know, he's kind of mocking Christian's, um, a couple of times that way, but I was expecting far worse. Well, I, so, I think he's mocking the the institution more than the people. Yeah, like the, the from the preacher side, more so than from the congregation side. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't want to mention like when you're talking about putting hands on people, like people would literally like fall down and faint, and they would just put like a cloth or a blanket over them and <laughs> just like keep keep it running. Keep it rolling. You know, a lot of them look like they're just having seizures. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's all mental, I guess. Uh, yeah. Psychosomatic. You, I've been you know healed. Bullshit, but my knee doesn't hurt right now. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, I won't say like the preaching portions of it were like dull or boring or anything. It's just there was a lot more of it than I thought there would be. Yeah. And it's uh I don't know. It was interesting. I, I thought yeah. it was, uh, you know, you kind of knew what was going on, but it's it's really kind of cool to see that they were doing this type of exposure in 1972. And it's like, I guess they didn't reach a big enough audience because <laughs> people are defending to this day exactly what he's been doing or, you know, what, what he was doing in this movie and exposed as fraudulent mm-hmm. okay well what would you rate it uh eventually eventually i agree with eventually eventually all right now i guess one of us has to challenge the other to watch something this is a challenge uh, I'll, I'll just uh i'll challenge you to watch a horror film how about that I, if you want, I got one I, that I was going to challenge you to. Okay. Um, All right, go for it. Let's that. do that. I, I think uh, I kind of mentioned this before your hiatus, but since you're a new father, I was going to challenge you to watch The Baby. 
Okay. <laughs> from uh let's see what year that was. Was it available anywhere? 1973. I have it on Blu-ray, so okay. you may borrow it. Do you have all of it? Isn't there three? You're thinking of um it's alive. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. Which is in my Amazon save for later, the three pack. <laughs> yeah. I might get it. It's less than 15 bucks, I think. Okay. Just waiting for a opportunity to, or a reason to pull the trigger on it. All right. Well, I'll watch that for next time. I don't think we'll have another recently seen until October. So I think we'll do two horror film episodes in the rest of the month. And then, yeah, we're in the throes of the horror extravaganza. So before we get into the, I just want to mention just real quick, just quickly, uh, our letterboxed profiles, we said, you know, follow us on letterboxed, but you know, mine isn't under watch this movie. It's, and it's not under Eric Mulder. It's Eric underscore Mulder. So <laughs> I don't know if, that has uh, been an impediment to the, the throngs of people that have been trying to follow me on Letterboxd. But yeah, I don't know. When you search for people, it, it, it seems hard to search for people on there. Yeah, very difficult. Uh, um, my, my handle on there is the same as my Twitter. It's positively Wolf1. But like when, on my profile, the name is Wolfie T. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get to both of ours uh, through our Twitters. There's a link to our letterbox profiles, right? Yes. So where can people get some lovely merchandise? I don't remember. I got to look it up. <laughs> Such an easy URL to remember. If you want to check out our merchandise, you can head over to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. Yeah, link is also in uh, the show's Twitter profile and yours, correct? Yes. All right. Well, you can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis_movie or bread at positivelywolf1. You can check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com and please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. And actually, we did get a new review on Apple Podcasts, it says the MMC brought me here. WTM is an entertaining podcast about films, old and new. Production value for WTM is very good with funny soundboard drops and sound clips of scenes of movies. Listen to that podcast. So it sounds pretty enthusiastic. However, only four stars. <laughs> <laughs> so our first four star review. But hey, we'll take it. That's a realistic rating. Yeah, we're not really a five-star <laughs> podcast, even though we'd like to think we are. We try to be, but yeah, thanks for that review. That was from Sparta913. Not sure who that is. I was trying to figure it out. I was like, Spartan? Trying to look through like the, the Discord or the Facebook for MMC and trying to pick out who it was. But anywho, uh, thanks for that review. See, we're striving to be a five-star podcast. We'll get there one day. I heard also that we are number one in Cambodia. <laughs> you are correct. Now it's dropped to five for, for film reviews, but we were number one in Cambodia for a time. Yes. Time may have just been a day, but we were number one. 
Now, some people will have you believe that that's only due to uh, VPNs rerouting IP addresses, but I like to think that we actually have listeners in Cambodia. <laughs> Maybe some Vietnam vets. Maybe. There was another time we were number one or close to it. Maybe number two somewhere is like Sri Lanka or Malaysia or something. I forget, but it's definitely VPN rerouting. <laughs> All right. Anywho, um, I think that we'll do it. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.